Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy God, guide us by the spirit of truth this day that we may hear the word of life you speak and give all glory, honor, and praise in your threefold name. We pray these things. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The reading from the Old Testament is from Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22. Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on, top, on the top of it. He called that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. The second reading from the Old Testament, Psalm 119, verses 1 to 8. This is a responsive reading. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. Who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways will be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous ordinances. I will observe your statutes, do not utterly forsake me. And from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 20. Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. 
The sexually immoral, idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, men who get, engage in illicit sex, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you used to be. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. All things are permitted for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permitted for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for, the sexual, for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun sexual immorality. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against the body itself? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. And our gospel reading for this morning is taken from the gospel according to John. We return back into our uh, project that we began at the beginning of the year to read through John's gospel. We come now to John chapter 3, verses 25 to 36. Let us listen for God's word to his people. Now a discussion about purification arose between, G uh, between John's disciples and a Jew and the disciples of John came to him and said, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you testified, here he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, No one can receive anything except what has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has who has the bride, is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from a heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has, has sent speaks the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon title, Lesser and Lesser, is one translation's version of John's words, I must, he must increase, but I must decrease. I must become lesser and lesser. The 20th century German theologian Karl Barth had a piece of art directly over his desk in his study. The artwork was a copy of the Eisenheim altarpiece, which was painted by Matthias Grunwald for the monastery in St. Anthony, monastery of St. Anthony. And I'm going to ask uh, Roy if he could pop uh, the slide with, there it is the Eisenberg altarpiece, the piece of art that sat above Karl Barth's desk. The center panel in this artwork depicts the suffering of Jesus upon the cross. There's lots of things, actually, that happen in this piece of art. But I'm going to direct your attention to a minute for a minute, to the lower right-hand corner of this center panel. And there we find John the Baptist doing that most characteristic John the Baptist thing. Pointing. The Eisenheim altarpiece isn't an attempt to record the historic events of Jesus' death and crucifixion and death. By this time, of the time of Jesus' death, John the Baptist had already been killed by by Herod. But rather, the Eisenheim altarpiece is a theological statement about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There in the center is Jesus, performing that defining act of his life, his dying upon the cross and taking upon himself the sins of the world, that they too might die on the cross. But off to the side, in that lower right hand corner, with his one long bony index finger extended, is John the Baptist, pointing. And beside John the Baptist, if you look carefully, is the Lamb of God. Lest anyone should forget John's role here is to point out that Jesus is the one who suffers and is the one who will take away the sin of the world. But from where you are, there's probably one more little detail to the Eisenheim altarpiece that you can't quite make out. In this image, painted right above John's outstretched arm, right here. Roy, if you could give us the next slide. Our words. 
artists back then weren't afraid to stick a few words in, lest you miss the point. Right there, in Latin, are the words that we hear in today's text. He must increase, but I must decrease. Lesser and lesser. You see, thank you, Roy. You see, for the early followers of Jesus and for the early church, John the Baptist, well, John was a bit of a problem. Right? We hear it in the text today. John, well, John is this strangely charismatic figure in Scripture. We believe perhaps he was part of the Essene community or some other such uh, first century Jewish sect. He lived out in the wilderness and lived a life of deprivation. The descriptions of John, you know, that he, he ate locusts and wild honey. Well, though that wasn't the description of some trendy New Age diet that you might find at Whole Foods. It was rather the eking out of existence of those desert dwellers who depended on nothing more than God to provide for their every need. But if you can remember all those texts that we read, usually around the Advent season in the church year, then you will also remember that John, apart from being very eccentric, is very popular. People from the surrounding towns, Scripture tells us, would travel out into the desert to be baptized by John and to hear John's preaching. And John's preaching wasn't easy preaching. John didn't stand in the pulpit and try to make you happy for 15 minutes. John's sermon started, You brood of vipers, who told you to come out and hear the word of the Lord? Not easy preaching. I, I dare say I'd probably clear the room if I tried a sermon like that. Not easy. Hard preaching. But compelling. There was something about John that was compelling and drew all of those people out to hear him and to be baptized by him, to submit to, a, to the idea of a way of life that was different from the dominant society. And indeed, we hear that, that problem that the early church wrestled with in our reading this morning. John's disciples come to John and they, when they hear about Jesus coming out into the wilderness and calling people to repentance and Jesus' disciples baptizing also. And they say directly to John, Teacher, the one who, you, who, who was with you when you were across the, the Jordan, the one to whom you testified, here he is. He's baptizing, and everybody's going after him. John, John was losing his market share. He was losing control of his audience. What if, what if there weren't enough sinners coming out to the Jordan to support two such teachers calling for repentance? Heaven forbid that we would run out of sinners. 
And even after Jesus' death and resurrection, you know, there are still disciples of John floating around the ancient Near East. Perhaps you remember Acts chapter 19, in which, which records one of Paul's early missionary journeys to Ephesus. And there in Ephesus, Paul and his traveling companions encounter a group of disciples who had not yet received the Holy Spirit. They had only received the baptism of John. They were Johannine disciples, not yet followers of Jesus, until Paul had baptized them in the Spirit. Here in this artwork that we look at this morning and in our gospel lesson this morning, John is placed back into the right context. As the disciples of John rightly say when they bring their report to John, this is the Jesus who he testified to on the other side of the Jordan. John points to Jesus. That is his job. Now the church has long associated John the Baptist with the messenger foretold by the prophet Malachi in Malachi chapter 3. When Malachi writes, See, I'm sending my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord that you seek will come into his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come. Thus says the Lord Almighty. John is the one who gives the testimony, the one who points the way to Jesus and assures us, behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Likewise, the role and purpose of the church is to testify that Jesus is still the Lamb of God that Christ continues to take away from us the sin of the world. All of those things that weigh us down and prevent us from becoming the people whom God has created us to be. Image bearers of the divine who delight in the world that God has made. Scripture. History. And even our very church is littered with signposts that point toward the divine. Today we also heard of Jacob's great vision of heaven and of God's angels descend, ascending and descending upon him on Jacob's ladder. And in response to that vision that Jacob has and the promise that goes with it, Jacob erects a cairn of stones to serve as a testimony that this place is holy ground and to be a reminder of the oath that Jacob makes with God in that place. Stone upon stone, testimony to the promise. Stone upon stone. Generations past built this church. Like so many churches throughout the countryside and around the world. They gave generously 
they gave their best. Because in their faith, they believed that God was worthy of their sacrifice. He must increase. But I will be less and less. They were willing to set aside their own desires and their own wealth that this might be a holy place. A place where God could draw near to them and to countless generations after them, yet unknown to them. A place of testimony pointing to Jesus who makes us whole with that one constant finger of faith extended. Look around. Each plaque, each name in the sanctuary is the voice of those who have walked this way before us, declaring the glory of our Lord. And for us, the purpose of the church today is to continue in this great relay race of faith, to accept the baton from past generations and carry it faithfully as we run the course of our race to hand it off to those who will come after us. Sharing the good news, inviting friends and neighbors into the fold of those who have seen the self-giving love of Jesus Christ and who find healing and joy in the new life Christ offers. The words and the actions of John are the mission of the church. To point beyond ourselves, beyond this great building, to something far greater still. To the God who gives us purpose and who calls us into his presence. Who gives hope and healing to a world that is in need. But we must, he must increase. But we must become less and less until he becomes all in all. Thanks be to God for his love to us. Amen.